feeling frequencies are open. Welcome, welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. Welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. Are you out of your mind? Watch and learn. This is going to be awesome. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. You are stopping to the core. I can smell it on you. Join us as we dive into the newest content coming available, as well as retrospectives of the past series and films. Do we need a mutiny today to prove who we are? Now, on with the show. We've only just begun. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for reviews, discussion, speculation of all things Trek. Uh, I'm Scott Madison, your host, and I'm joined this week by my stalwart crew going around the table. We have Neek Yeager. How are you? We will all perish. Uh, well, I, y- yeah. That, that's kind of how this, statement. Yeah, it's kind of how this podcast goes. <laughs> uh, joining us as well, we have the other Madison that is not the Scott. We have Tom Madison. How's it going? It is funny because he usually has legs. <laughs> A little ableist, but I'm 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 gonna let it go. And rounding out the crew tonight, we have Rick. How are things? You know, Flizbop is really more of a bastardization of modal scuzz. I was wondering if they were going to work in um, the 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 name for the musical style heard at Jabba's Palace, but luckily they did not yes which i think that's a good idea (laughs) jizz it's called jizz yeah yeah you had to you had to finish the thought yes i did (laughs) all right folks uh as we did last week and what we're probably going to be doing for the next couple weeks we are going to start with a little bit of an appetizer and we're going to have a little we're going to have a very short discussion about a very short trek This week's Star Trek Very Short Trek, titled Holiday Party, written by Claire Friedman and directed by Aaron Hawkins, Uh, we have a a brief little uh, flight of whimsy, I guess you can call it, um, set aboard the Strange New Worlds era Enterprise. The crew is having a holiday party and Spock has been put in charge of entertainment. So he decides to show a blooper reel, which is wholly terrifying and hilarity ensues well at least for some people um presuming that all you listeners have seen this short trek this very short trek not going to go through the whole thing in detail uh, just going to jump right into discussion um overall guys jump in what did you think of this very short trek it was better than the first one Okay, you're you're it, still too negative. You're just it, taking it too seriously. Bring I just didn't think it was that funny. Again, it's, okay, it's eh, one joke. Hammer it. You, you hate also, everything. Well, somebody also spoiled the punchline for me. They, I didn't realize it was the punchline when I saw the, what they were they said on, Facebook, and then <laughs> when he said the punchline, I was like, oh, that's what that was. All right. I, 
not having seen it at the time that went up, I saw that uh, that quote as it. Okay, I know what that's from. <laughs> you know, it's I, fun for me to have Rick on these podcasts because then I don't have to take the responsibility of being the negative Nelly. <laughs> There's someone else to be the hater, and I can be the defender. Be like, this is awesome. It was hilarious. You know what I really liked about this very short trek is that everyone reacted the way people should react when people die and the way they don't typically react in Star Trek. Because in Star Trek, they lose crew members all the time and no one blinks an eye. Yeah. And so here they're actually showing that they're devastated. And that's the appropriate reaction for once. That's true. Yeah, I suppose that <laughs> would be the, the shining point of this very short trick. She she makes a wonderful point. Uh, they take this opportunity to to show the actual reactions and the fact that that real reactions are funnier than are are seen as the funny and the norm is for people to react the way you probably shouldn't react when people die that's that's fine and, and speaking of the reactions that was actually uh, i think my favorite part of of this very short trek um when when spock played uh looks like clip number 15 according to the memory alpha page <clears throat> excuse me um, it shows, and I didn't, uh, I didn't piece this together. I didn't quite recognize it at the time, but when I went reading through it, I was reminded that he was showing a clip from the Battle of the Binary Stars from uh, the premiere of Discovery, and the Klingon ship colliding with the Europa, and the whole thing, uh, uh, whole thing explodes. It, it is a comically long explosion in in this clip. And immediately after that clip, you have everyone again in stunned silence. And then there's just one female crew member that runs across in the background crying as she leaves the room. <laughs> I mean, yeah, tragedy, but the, the way they animated just that one person is that I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> I thought that was well executed on, on the part of the, uh, of, of the animators. Did, did anyone think there was actually comedy in the crew member falling over and and pooping himself. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> just I was I was just curious if uh if Spock and the crew were right and that's what comedy is. It did look like the captain from the previous one. It did. Well but that could be a play on the reuse of of a model that they had in uh, the animated series. That, that's true. Uh, I do like the fact that they uh, they did get Bruce Horak, uh, Sally Rose Gooding, and Doug Jones all to come back and, and voice their characters, even for for little, like one line from Saru. And they, they got him to record it. I, I was impressed by that sort of thing. But overall, it's a very short track. There's not really much to say about it. Um, I, for for this one, for some reason, I 
think I share a little bit of Rick's opinion of the previous one, which is what it was clear, like the overall joke that they were going for. But I thought this one may have had like one repetition too many. I feel like they could have tightened up this joke and 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 made this short run just a just a little bit faster, uh, but not to the point where it was uh, annoying or distracting. I was still. I saw it as a as an entertaining diversion for a a small handful of minutes, as it's supposed to be. I thought the the gag about uh, what's her name to praying constantly leaving Spock was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was like a slightly different take on the same premise. <laughs> you know, she's constantly leaving me for other men. Like that was pretty good. Um. That, I think yeah. that was probably my second favorite moment where Spock says, it's funny, it is funny because it is self-deprecating. And they follow up with, I am shattered by this. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, and like I said, I, I didn't hate this one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't like the first one that I did absolutely loathe. It was not in any way funny to me. But, you know, this was, like you, like you said, if it had been like one clip shorter and tightened up a little bit, I think I would have found it a lot funnier but I think they maybe once again had two minutes worth of material and had to stretch it out to four that's quite possible they didn't have to it's a choice they're making to make them that long Mm. Uh, still so far I'm not regretting that they're doing this when when I see it pop up like it's it's on YouTube it's oh hey look there's a new short track yeah they're fun yeah, so so far I'm I'm happy to see him. I I am hoping now that we've had two, I am hoping that the next one will shift time periods, and we'll get something in like say the the 24th century. If we get a very short trek that's set during uh, Enterprise era, in 22nd century, I'll be extra happy, triple happy if they get Scott Bakula to to voice Archer for one of these very short tracks. I would love that. It'd be a long road to that one. Mm. Oh, you know they're going to fit a joke like that in. Uh, And before we get any more, we are going to jump off of this very short track. I just just want to rejoice a little bit. I don't know if you all have have experienced this yet, but Moopsie is taking the internet by storm. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a couple memes. Especially on, on the Star Trek shit posting, Gromp. Moopsie is just like every other <laughs> post. I'm still not sure. See, uh, Moopsie is to me as very short tracks are to Rick. I I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Hmm. I'm actually with you on that, Scott. Like, I, I, I definitely get it, but I'm not uh, charmed by it. Like, you know, I'm sort of indifferent to it. Yeah, it, it's it's a cute little white creature, and it turned out to be like you know a a bag full of a, a bag full of terror. Yes. And if it had been something, yeah, it's comedy. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. Yeah. Have you have you have you met a cat? <laughs> um, I, I think if it had been in anything other than lower decks then it might have caught my attention and and made it made an impression for me but it's lower decks this 
I, Moopsie was 100% what to expect. There, there was no surprise. We, oh, oh, cute little thing. Oh, that's going to be the worst thing ever. And two minutes it's, later, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, because this is Lower Decks. It strikes me a lot like uh, the cat in uh, Captain Marvel. Um, well, it, no, it wasn't a cat. Goose. No, not Jonesy. Goose. Goose, yeah. I think in the comic it was called, its name was Jonesy or something like yeah. that. Jonesy's, Jonesy's the name of the Chewy. cat. Oh, Chewy. name of the cat in, in the comics is Chewy. In the comics is Chewy. In Alien, it's Jonesy. Yeah, I, I knew that part. Yeah. In fact, the cat my uh, my friend Keith and I had to dissect in high school, we named Jonesy. Okay, that, that, that fits. <laughs> See, now that's comedy. <laughs> well, if we want real comedy, then we are going to move on to our discussion of this week's episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, season 4, episode 3, titled In the Cradle of Vexalon, written by Ben Waller and directed by Brandon Williams. As usual, let's go around the table. Let's get everyone's uh, first initial impression. Initial impressions tom let's start with you it was a thing wasn't awful wasn't stupendous you know right down the line um i'm pretty sure that i said tom not rick tom what did you think <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen you're not going to be able to see what i'm about to do <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, that, that's a, a good enough uh, overall review from Tom. So we'll let that one stand. But now this time for real, we're going to go to Rick. Rick, what did you think of this week's episode of Lower Decks? That's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. It was fine. It was all right. Neek, 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 help <laughs> save us. Save us. Neek, what did you think of this episode of Lower Decks? You know, I love Lower Decks. So I think in the three and a bit seasons we've had so far, there have been maybe... I wouldn't even say episodes. There have been a few moments I didn't like. So, you know, you'd have to do something pretty egregious. Like, you'd have to do something that's very contradictory to, you know, my personal um, perception of Trek for me to dislike it. So, yeah, I liked it. It was fun. I liked all the Easter eggs, all the references. It was a good time. Um, I don't feel that uh, Boimler's revelation was necessary. Same same way like last week, uh, Mariner having a bit of a revelation was not necessary. Because I don't like it when they treat the show like a cartoon. I mean, yes, it's comedic. So yes, it's a cartoon. But they don't need to have, I don't know, like kids cartoon level moments of growth in each episode it's fine a, a for yeah exactly there doesn't need to be a lesson it's fine for it just to be star trek stories with a comedic bent so you know i didn't dislike that element i'm not upset about boimler's i don't know again i can't think of a better word than revelation but uh, i didn't i didn't require it it seemed like they were leaning on it just a little bit more than they had to. I mean, it is, it was, no, this is his second, yes, yeah, second episode as a lieutenant. 
uh, first away mission as lieutenant and he's in command of it. This is a first for the character. So it makes sense to, to give it some focus. And if he's going to learn anything on his first mission, you don't want to skip over that. But they made it like the entire secondary plot. Or maybe the primary plot. I don't know. The the the, the storylines, I guess three storylines technically, all kind of ran ran parallel. I didn't really pick up one primary versus the others. Um, well, and it was the boiler thing that kind of left me... N- not, I mean, I'm not saying this was a bad episode. I'm just saying, you know, it was it was okay. And I think the, the Boimler thing kind of dragged it down the first time through, and then the second time I watched it, it was really tedious. It was like, oh, this kind of needs to move along. I, I, mean, I can I, see that. I guess... I didn't... I don't like when they make the characters incompetent. And so him being so bad at being um in charge of this mission bothered me because we know he's a really good officer we know he's a good we know he's good at his job so i didn't love that however it does sort of explain why it has taken so long for him to get a promotion i guess that you know even though he's really good at following rules and is very enthusiastic he does have some he he still has a ways to go. He does still need to grow. He He's not an exemplary officer in terms of leadership. So fair enough. And again, you know, it's a cartoon, so everything's exaggerated. So fine. You know, it was the, the way in which he was messing up was ridiculous. And, you know, we, we make uh, allowances for that because it's a cartoon. But yeah, again, uh, that was the the story I liked least in the three stories. Mm-hmm. It, I, I would say the one thing that it had, well, maybe not had going for it, but the thing that I liked the most about the Brad storyline is when I expected that what he, what we were going to be shown is that he doesn't trust these other officers to do it right <clears throat> because they're just ensigns and he's a lieutenant they're going to mess it up and he has to do it to make sure that it's being done right but what we find out at the at the climax of this particular plot line is that he is doing it all himself because he doesn't feel comfortable giving orders to people who were uh, up until so recently his peers and I was I was glad they went in that direction rather than having it be that he didn't trust them. It was more, this sounds like such a very special episode description. It was more that he didn't trust himself to command these people, which very much has shades of, of Wesley in um, pen pals. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and I mean, that is relatable. I mean, I can think of, you know, back when I had to manage staff, I, I, I do sort of have that personality of like, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so managing other people is very difficult. So, and I guess, you know, to go back to my earlier point of like, I don't need the show to be that cartoony. Like I didn't need it to be so exaggerated that he's like, you know, doing a three person job himself using his teeth. 
you know i didn't need it to go quite that far like they they could have still made the point without pushing it that far but you know then i will <laughs> once again i'm repeating myself like you know we make allowances because it's a cartoon but... mm. uh is there any other aspect of this particular storyline that follows uh Brad running his away team that anyone else wants to uh, wants well yes to I, think, yes. I think we need to talk about his death yeah yeah that's true we saw the koala we saw the koala so we, so we it's, it's it's confirmed there is an afterlife in Star Trek and was that a was that a Twin Peaks riff that room in the that's a good question. I don't know. I never watched Twin Peaks. Neither did I. But I, I was I was wondering if that's what they were going for, or if it was just its own thing. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> um, I'm looking, and I'm not seeing anything in the memory alpha page, which normally would be in uh, like background information or trivia. I don't see any mention of it being Twin Peaks. So if that room is a reference to something, I don't know what it is. Okay. Well, the the Black Mountain per Memory Alpha is a reference to Shax's death. And apparently he referenced uh, a, a spiritual battleground. Um, was that's, That was the Black Mountain spiritual battleground where the soul went after death. So, so instead of going to the okay. battleground, uh, Boimler went to the waiting room. The Black Mountain well, waiting. <laughs> and I love the, yeah. the the subtitles when the panda was saying whatever it was, just said panda speech. <laughs> koala speech? Yeah. Or, or not, not yeah. panda, yeah, koala. <laughs> Which, in actuality, was uh, dialogue played backwards. And yeah. if, if reversed, the koala is saying, it's not your time, Bradward Boimler. Oh, okay. Okay. Did you do that or did you look it up? I looked it up. I... Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could tell it was something backwards, but then I, I forgot that I wanted to try to run it backwards. And, and... Yeah, you, you have to follow the links on, the, on Memory Alpha to the page for koala parentheses entity, close parentheses. <laughs> And that gives all the appearances, uh, and they've all been in Lower Decks uh, going back to, I think, first season. Um, I think the first, yeah, the first appearance of the koala was in Moist Vessel when that particular crew member was trying to ascend, mm -hmm. and, and he sees the koala. That's where it starts. The koala, which is still in the nebula during the... The opening, yep. The franchise intro, I'll call it. Uh, you know, so, uh, I almost want to say that the closed captioning translated that, because when you said what it the koala's speech was, I swear I remember seeing that. So hmm. now I got to go back and look for it again. So no, <laughs> mine said what uh, what Rick said, where it was it was just I think koala speech or koala okay. noises or something. Yeah, was... that's what mine said too. Because like I rewound on the subtitles to see so I could see what he was saying yeah and yeah I just said qual speech J just a descriptor so I, it's possible that, that Tom has a different uh, 
different subtitle file connected with with his. Maybe um, your brain works backwards. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I also enjoyed uh, after Boimler's brought back uh, Ransom's little uh, little bit of encouragement to him. Never forget your first death. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like uh, Anna's reaction. <laughs> actually work <laughs> give me 30 cc's of whatever the hell that was it just worked before <laughs> it just worked a second ago so are we annoyed now that they've killed off two main characters and brought them back to life no like how much can you do that but I, I think that's part of the, the joke is that star trek does that a lot i mean no yeah, one dies. yeah. It, it's certainly part part of the joke when when Ransom says you never forget your first death. I don't count this particular quote unquote death uh, the same way as we count Shax. Shax was was irrevocably, unmistakably, uh, you know, no longer in 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 a recognizable physical form because now he's been essentially atomized, dead. He was ded dead. Sir. And then next season, thank you, Stripes. And then next <laughs> season, he's back. He's just back, even though he was straight up exploded in the first season. This, this was just one of those. Oh, Boimler's was he was technically dead for a minute because he got really hurt, but they brought him back. In the same way, in the same way that that people on Mash are are dead for a minute, and then they beat on their chest for a couple seconds and hey they're alive again brought them back to life he 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 wasn't he was only mostly dead boimler was only mostly dead there we go princess bride that that's actually how i saw it is he wasn't quite dead i i think ta uh taana being so freaked out that it actually worked kind of took the curse off of it a little bit that she was just like all right he's dead let's try this and then it worked and her reaction was worth it now if they at some point in the season I'll, I'll look at this. this this I think is a is a more simplified way to put it if a character is dead when the episode ends and then comes back from being dead in the following episode then we'll say it's another example of what they did with Shax and and we'll have to gauge whether or not they did it well. This I, I don't I don't I just don't see this as the same thing. <laughs> Glad everyone agrees. Uh, Tom, you're yeah. saying uh another part of this this storyline, the Boimler one, uh that I thought we should mention is Helen giving him the pep talk and Connecting with him and, and uh, really pushing him out of his down that out of his shell, but you know pushing him along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it did make me wonder for a second if they were starting to set up uh, per, perhaps an ongoing plot element of of her kind of moving into his command position, almost taking over command by giving him instructions when he's supposed to be leading the away team. But they, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't really 
take it that far. Yeah. She was just there helping out because she's uh, using logic and reason rather than using superiority and I really should be outranking you. I, I didn't pick up on any of that uh, when it was all said and done. So that was cool. That was her being nice. Now, I don't, I don't for a second feel this way, but I have seen it mentioned. I was worried you were about to. Uh, some people are wondering if they're trying to set up some sort of relationship between Boimler and Talin. And I, I knew that's where you were going to go with that when you started saying it. I haven't seen anything like that, but I, I don't interact with any of the, the fan groups online uh, r- really at all anymore. But uh, it, I guess it doesn't surprise me. That's what some people are saying online, but I, I wasn't picking up on that. And I, I hope they don't do it because I think that would be unnecessary. Yeah, I just I just throwing it out there because I, I saw people saying it. For the most part, it was like, hey, does anyone ship these two? And most of the responses were no. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? But um, well, Tom and Neek, do you guys ship? Uh, oh, oh, hold on, it's it's Tillin and Boimler. So, uh, so Tillinler. Um, no. Boilin. Boy, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't perceive any type of romance between them. Is Mariner still dating Jennifer? What happened with, with them? We never found. Well, she. I mean, after we saw her pointedly ignore Je- uh, Jennifer at the end of that that episode last season, we haven't seen any. I don't remember that. Her. Yeah. Okay, so I guess they broke up. Okay, I was just wondering, like, are any of our characters? I guess. Uh, Shaxx and Dr. Uh, yeah, they're in a relationship, I guess. Well, I guess kind of sort of technically. Call it, seems, that. <laughs> it, it It seems like I, I'm, I'm inferring a lot because it's not like they're giving us a whole lot to work with, but it kind of seems like Shaxx wants there to be some depth in this relationship, but Ta'ana just wants someone to uh, take to the holodeck so she can commit a whole lot of the murder and then a whole lot of the uh, unmentionable holodeck activity. Hmm. But they, they have something, whatever that is, they, they have something. I think that's about the only, quote, relationship that we, that we have on the show at the moment. Yeah, it just bugs me in general, not to do with this show in particular, but in general, when all the characters are single, it just it doesn't ring true it's just weird because that's not how real life works mm-hmm. well personally and you know and I, I i i don't know that i i see them trying to set this up but i would love to see tendy and talin get together i would not why do you want to see that rick because you're a pervy old man no because i <laughs> Because I think they're 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 really cute together. I think Boimler and Mariner, while they're certainly not romantic, I think that they're the ones that can't have a good relationship with anyone. That I consider fair. That I think I, I think a Tendi to Lynn relationship would be very wholesome. I, John, please isolate. Neek's uh, response, initial response to Rick, and and give us a sound for that. <laughs> just just create a little sound bite, little sound drop that we can that we can use. 
That goes on show promos. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, All I don't of wish you. a Vulcan hey, hey, hey. I'm, I'm not saying that she was right, Rick. I'm not saying that she had a point. It was just funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's especially surprising because usually Rick is like so anti-romance. In all of these shows, yeah, you and never I just, want anyone to get together. So it surprised me. Well, I I just assume, yeah, you know, but I seem to be in the minority about that because it seems like everybody wants anytime someone, two characters spend more than you know ten seconds in the same frame, on screen. Yeah, there's anymore. someone shifting them. Yeah, I yeah. Know. I guess I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't ship Vulcans with anyone because well, Vulcans it would just it would be a very odd couple kind of amusing thing of you know not even just you know from from any uh, any anything prurient it would just be like you know i could just see talin being tender you left your socks on the floor again you know, or something like that it was just it it could be a, a delight delightful mix of of those particular personalities and you know i i agree there's there would be potential if they try to do something like that. At the same time, I don't need them to do that, nor do I particularly want them to do that. But I am, uh, at, at the very least, regarding Lower Decks, I am quite ambivalent about uh, relationships being written in for the characters. It, it seems like just, it would be... Uh, it would be a, a plot convenience. It would be a plot device if they did that with the way this show was, was, was put together. Um, now, other shows, they, they do it well um, on Discovery. Uh, Stamets and uh, Culber. I think that's a great relationship because they work it into the storylines and they make it natural. With Lower Decks, it seems like something they would have to force and, and turn it into a, into a plot device, which could be fine, but I, I don't need that. Um, is the captain, is she married or? Yeah, she's married to the Admiral. Or are they? I, I wasn't sure if they were still, if they were married. Oh, they, they are divorced. Okay, I, I couldn't remember either way, so. Yeah, that, I actually never even, uh, never even thought about that. I, I knew that they were Mariner's parents, but I never paid attention to whether or not they were, they were still married. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Well, someone else can research that. Well, we move on to a different plot line. Um, and I, I, I want some feedback from you guys. Uh, do you want to go with the Room of Anomalies, or do you want to go with uh, Freeman and Vexelon on the planet? The Room of Anomalies sounds like something for a game show. So let's go there. <laughs> the Room of Anomalies. <laughs> da, 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 da. So uh, we move on to this plot line where we have uh, Rutherford, Tendi, and Mariner uh, on board the Cerritos, and they've been given uh, some shitty ensign grunt work of scanning a whole bunch of isolated chips, and they think that they're being hazed by Dirk. Uh, and then they decide to try to take some revenge, and they utilize the Room of Anomalies to do that, which we've already mentioned. Lots of stuff in this Room of Anomalies. Um, running down some of the stuff hang, and, hang on be before yeah. you read let me see 
of I actually don't have it up. I was going to go by memory, but go ahead. Oh, all right. Well, no, then, then then don't let me steal your thunder. I thought you were reading off of memory alpha. Uh, nope, nope. Just going by by what I recall. Uh, obviously, we have um, the the Wadi Chula game. Alamarine. Uh, Alamarine. They brought it back. <laughs> and and kudos to, kudos to Rutherford for getting through it quick and not making us listen to that goddamn song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shop two. Yeah. And when he grabs the drink, says, "Yeah, shop four. Open the open the door." <laughs> Drinks it and leaves. <laughs> and um, and Fallow is just, oh. <laughs> um, so we've got that. We've got uh, the hat that turned Billups into what a cathedral or something. I forgot that hat. Yeah, I don't remember. I I I mean, he mentioned it, but I didn't remember seeing seeing Billups get turned into anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, it it might have been from a deleted scene or an untold one of the lost tales. We'll get that in like a lower decks comic book or something. Um we also had a Bajoran gift box. No, a Betazoid gift box, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um I was disappointed that they did <laughs> not get back Armin- a <laughs> That was almost my intro line tonight. <laughs> I was disappointed that they did not get Armin to do the voice for that box. Yeah. I was really hoping mm-hmm. it would be him. Um, we had a spider that, I guess, like, turns your head into another spider? I don't remember that spider. No, that, that was not, I don't think that was something we'd seen before, I think. That, mm-hmm. that got an explanation. Yeah. Uh, there was a random batleth on the floor. And then we had a... Um, Catanian uh, probe what, that implants a lifetime of memories. Now, were there other things that you guys noticed that I missed? And you yes. guys can refer to lists if you want, because I, I'm going by the stuff that was mentioned. I, I only had the chance to watch this once about an hour before we started recording, so I didn't get the visual stuff. I, I made a list. Okay. I know one that I, I bet I know what uh, Rick is. Top of his list. Uh, Tom, Tom Nomad? Did Nomad. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. And the Romulan cloaking device from Enterprise Incident was up on a shelf as well. Mm-hmm. Ambassador uh, Colos's environment box. Yep. Complete with a visor <laughs> just sitting inside of it. Uh, <laughs> notice Ambassador Colos is empty. Yes. Box. <laughs> uh,. There was also a Lerpa. Yes, yes. Yep. That I did notice. I it it didn't come back to me, but yeah, and that was one of those not even so much of a oh check out that reference, but for is a oh it's it's a Lerpa. It's there. If you play Star Trek online, those goddamn things are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can pick it up cheap. You can use that as a weapon. It's not a good one. I think that's your first Star Trek Online reference this season. Yeah. Every now and again, they happen. It's been several months since I've played. I should I, I should go back and give it a go. Catch up on what I missed. Um, last time I played, uh, Mirror Universe Wesley Crusher was the Emperor of the Terran Empire and uh, had received godlike powers from, I think, Mirror Universe V'ger. So it was an interesting cliffhanger. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> yeah. 
No, they're scanning the isolinear chip. Yeah, they're scanning <laughs> they're scanning the chips and they don't find anything wrong. And then Dirk's like, oh, there's a bunch more. Scan these. And then they decide they're going to take some revenge. So they set up this Rube Goldberg machine in the anomaly room uh, that will activate the Chula game and send Dirk into it while being locked by the Betazoid gift box the whole time. Uh, for for reasons they don't put him in there they have to dismantle the trap Rutherford gets sent in he gets out of the game he's got the gift box in front of him and the gift box gets hit by the Catanian probe and this could be my favorite moment of the episode where the gift box says was that just an entire lifetime of memories yeah sorry about that <laughs> I miss my wife <laughs> they, they have a, a, several good lines around the gift box um I like the, he just picked up phrases that he hears a lot, and then the, the string of profanities, and, oh, I didn't realize Dr. Ta'ana was in here. <laughs> that that was like, eat a bag of Borg dicks, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, I, I like the, the, the gift box. I can't remember what it said in the game, but uh, it, it was, had yeah, another. It was just swearing. Yeah, it had, it had another uh, profane line as Rutherford was was running through, and and that was funny. Um, you know what I, I what imp impressed me about that whole segment, right up to where Rutherford is trying to get out of the room and he's got the stuff, and uh, uh, Mariners run out of ways to stall the guy is. This was like Scooby-Doo meets I Love Lucy level of sitcom crap. I should have hated every second of it, but I didn't. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I I see where you're coming from, and and to a degree, I think I can uh, I can relate and agree. For me, I think the 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 heavier than usual density of references that they were using in this particular subplot help to keep it entertaining it's not like there were a lot of surprises in it but they were working in the easter eggs and references pretty cleverly in this one uh in, in particular the i miss my wife that that was just hilarious it it, it is hands down my favorite uh, single moment of the episode when the, when the box said that is that two episodes in a row that they've had that line yes yeah I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Oh, I've already forgotten who said it. Who said it last? The, the Irish the, uh, hologram. The hologram. Yeah. So we gotta watch out for that next week. Maybe they're gonna <laughs> say that in every episode. <laughs> that, uh, if they can pull that off, then then I will be impressed. It'll and become the I've got a bad feeling about this of, <laughs> of Star Trek. So, someone, um, if someone has the time. If you want to go back and review the season premiere and see if anyone says it there. Yeah, I don't think so. Because yeah. mm -hmm. uh, twice is a coincidence, three will be a pattern. So either we'll review the first episode or we'll ch come back next week and find out. But that, that'd be funny if they can pull that off. Um, finally, we have the, uh, the Vexalon plot itself with Captain Freeman deciding that a miner in ancient technology is <laughs> enough to fix this computer. Uh, and she kind of makes it worse. And then Billups has to come down and help her fix it. Uh, Tom, 
you work in IT. What did you think of this subplot? <laughs> Getting stuck with updates and, and updates being the, the solution. Uh, it's actually pretty on point. So <laughs> something's wrong. Well, just run an update. So, and that'll totally fix it. Of course, there won't be any problems with the updates. You'll never get a frozen progress bar ever. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I enjoyed clouds immediately like instantly turning to blocks of ice and falling onto the planet i thought that was funny yep did, did anyone have this is not related to the weather changes but the the voice of bexalon sounded familiar but i couldn't place it did anyone uh pick up I, on i figured it it, he was somebody but i didn't i didn't recognize it i just they it seemed distinct enough that uh, I thought maybe it'd be like, you know, some stand-up that y'all know or something like that that I've never heard of, like with the... Oh, uh, with yeah, Pete Holmes and the Very Short Trek? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm looking at the cast list. Oh, Oscar Montoya, and that is not someone that I'm familiar with. But don't kill his father. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it is funny because his name is Montoya. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, so another uh, another supercomputer that uh, almost destroys the planet and they fix it. Everyone is happy. And I like how it was almost a sales pitch during that restart. It was like, you know, welcome to your new planet. Reset. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, is the the ancient race that uh, that created this uh, big ass artificial planet and installed Vexilon? Is it the same race that eventually went on to become arms dealers in the arsenal of freedom? Ooh. Yeah, we, we, we can see the, the rapid emotion in Neek's head. It just hasn't traveled to her hands yet, but she's she's doing it. Um, and that does, I believe, uh, take us to the end of the third and final plot. Like, there, was, there wasn't really much going on with that. Freeman had to get in touch with Boimler and have him restart the uh, the power generator and then turn it off again. Okay, that happened. And the day is saved and the people on the planet are happy once again. Um, what we are what we are missing from this episode is any appearance or reference to the mystery ship that blew up the Klingons and the Romulans last two episodes. I thought it was odd that that ship wasn't there. Do you guys... In reviewing the episode in your mind, do you guys think there's anything in the episode that that might have connected with that mystery plot line, or do you think they just gave it a week off? I, yeah, there, there was there was nothing. It wasn't even a you know, hey, we just got a report about X, Y, or Z. It just yeah, when it was over, I was like, hey, we didn't see the ship blow up another one. So yeah, it's time for uh, time for some independent Jem'Hadar to get uh, to get offed or something. I did like the reference, it's like one of the musicians that uh, that Dirk was going on about uh, overdosed on Ketracel White. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice reference there. I think this is going to be one of the most pointless um, uh, theories that I've ever come up with. Oh, hang on. I got to sit down for this. I theorized that the next time that the mystery vessel appears, they're going to blow up a Cardassian ship. 
old. First it was Klingons, then it was Romulans. I think next is Cardassians. There it is. Okay. High stakes theorizing on this episode. Uh, anyone have anything that we missed? Anything else that you wanted to bring up before we bring the episode to a close? Um, as someone who wasted a couple of years of her life in art school, I liked the gag about the good art and the bad art being identical. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that. Well, and, and Ransom's like, oh, it's, you know, lazy yeah, like, use oh. of abstraction or whatever. It was like, <laughs> Ransom said that? <laughs> it, he, he did mention, uh, specifically mentioned balance. And in my several years of, of college courses for illustration and graphic design, Oh, balance is a thing and you better get it right <laughs> so I, I appreciated that he used some proper terminology on that but yes I, I agree with Neat the fact that the good ones and the bad ones were exactly the same hilarious I I didn't like the ending I didn't like the fact that it act that it was hazing because it didn't it didn't make it funny in fact, it made it kind of mean. And yeah, I agree, that... actually. Yeah. And Ransom being okay with it made it a little worse, actually, I thought. I agree on that. Yeah. I don't like it when they make the characters mean-spirited. I agree. Oh, I, I, I meant to bring this up earlier. Is is Billups Ferret, is this a new thing? Or am I? did I just have a, a minor aneurysm and forget that... Rutherford had a problem and Billups had a ferret. <laughs> hmm. I don't know because I don't remember the ferret from anything else, but that means nothing. I, I don't remember Tuesday. <laughs> I don't recall the ferret or Rutherford having an issue with the ferret, but rather like Neek, uh, I, some things I can remember pretty well. Other things like week-to-week -week viewing of new television, I kind of lost my ability to really retain the, the details of stuff that I've been watching uh, somewhere in my mid to late thirties. So if I'm going to remember it, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch everything. Yeah. I, and if none of y'all can remember it, then it might, it, I feel better because <laughs> I, I, I don't remember this morning. So <laughs> like a lot of times, We'll be watching something and and somebody will come in and my wife will be like, oh, and I'm like, you've seen this one before? Yeah, they were blah, 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 four seasons ago for 10 seconds behind the door. <laughs> you know, okay. I I have a, a bit of a problem with, uh, with remembering things that haven't... Wait, who are you guys? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> I didn't expect that joke to go over well, and yet still I was disappointed. <laughs> well, you must be used to that disappointment. <laughs> Neek slinging fire. Before she can truly hurt anyone's feelings, I think it's time to wrap up this particular episode of that Star Trek podcast. We're going to go around and let people plug uh, what they have to plug except for Neek, because she's a mean meanie who is mean. <laughs> All right, Tom, do you have anything you want to share with, with, uh, with the folks out there? 
Um, I will plug on Neek's behalf. Uh, check out superanemic.com because her recaps or Neek caps are just amazing. <laughs> Sometimes they're mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. Rick, Rick, do you have something nice and 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 not not mean, not unnecessarily hurtful to share with everyone? Uh you can find me all over the network here. Um, you can find me here on this show, uh, occasionally on Captain Game Show, on uh, Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast. Uh, and I know last week I said I would be starting my new show this week, uh, but I'm waiting on a few things. I've got a voiceover that uh, I've got a friend who's going to be doing for the intro to the show. Also, due to the strike, there's not a lot going on right now. But I've got some ideas, but I need to kind of track down and see if I can get some people to talk to me. But it will be. It, it is in the works. I just, I just, I have to do a little more prep on it. All right. Well, I've heard that before. <laughs> and see, I was going to say, still looking forward to hearing it when it comes out. Oh, it'll be epic! I swear, it's going to be the best thing you've ever. Heard. It's, it's going to be a new show. I'm going to be telling people what's going on <laughs> for 15 minutes. It'll be. Yeah, but some <laughs> some of us are looking forward to it without having to point out the fact that you've had to delay a couple times, which is fine. We don't have to rub your nose in it. Don't have to make you feel guilty about it. Yes, you do. We choose to. And I agree. Superanemic.com. Go there, folks. It's awesome. <laughs> Neek, do you have anyone that you would like to verbally assault before we go? <laughs> I mean, Tom does look like Nemo right now. <laughs> Not the first time I've heard it today. I, I, may, I may have mentioned that before y'all got here. <laughs> my wife and my daughter even call it my Nemo shirt. <laughs> I mean, that's not a criticism, though. I like it. That's like what they follow with. <laughs> I might just take a screenshot of this Zoom call and use a picture of Tom as the, the cover <laughs> image for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Neek. Scott, what the hell are you up to? <laughs> Neek, would you like to properly plug anything you would like to plug? The aforementioned superanemic.com and stay on this network and listen to Moon Show for all Moon mankind Show. <laughs> and Scott, I, what have you I, got to plug? I withheld my Moon Show out of protest. <laughs> okay, for John's benefit, here we go. You can find me right here and on various other shows on the network and for other stuff you can visit www.planetrisecreative.com to check out my graphic artwork. <gasps> and with that, we wrap up this episode of that Star Trek podcast. Thank you everyone for listening, for downloading, for hopefully subscribing. And please join us next week when we discuss Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, Episode 4, Title um, Episode 34, According to Memory Alpha. It'll be a surprise. Tune in and find out. See ya! Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter. Or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. 
Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast. Because you're pervy old man. <laughs>